cliffcentral.com. Well, we have a multi-award winning broadcast anchor, uh, MC motivational speaker, businesswoman, a UNHCR goodwill ambassador, no less, and someone who's well known in South Africa. And I think much loved. In fact, I don't think I know she's much loved. She's been on TV for a long time now. And what's going on? Oh, it's a tea. Oh, God, we'll start that again. It's my coffee. Coffee. This is oh, the most important You need it. Time I know, you need it. So in fact, don't start that again. Include this in the recording. <laughs> I'll just, I'll do this. We let people in behind the fourth wall. She is none other than the great Leanne Manis. Yay. And I hear all the sound effects coming in and, you know. <laughs> we you, have orchestras playing. Orchestras. Yeah. I mean, you could put laughter and then it'll be laughter a whole different intro. And, and it could and be amazing. The studio audience. <laughs> all of, listen. Yeah, it's so nice um, to be here. I, yeah, it's very nice to see you. I know we've been trying to arrange this for a long time, but you do your show when I do my show. Exactly. Why we have chosen a life of suffering like this is beyond me. In fact, I saw Leanne and we spent a bit of time together now in Cape Town. We went to the Met together, which was so much fun. Yeah, it was good fun. I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm glad I, I got you to drink a tequila. Just one. Just I know it was one, only one. Just the one. But I, it was I broke one. my rule for you. Thank, you see how special you is are. It still, I need to ask you, are we no, still? I'm still going strong. So except for that one. Except for that one since Guys. December 31st and going on, I, I want to try until April. This is amazing. But I spent a, a lot of time with you and your fantastic husband. Yeah. I just have to tell you, like, you really lucked out. I not did. that you're not a catch by any means. Well, I mean, he's a nice guy. He he's is a, a catch. great guy. And the two of you are both on the same page. And it is hysterical to <laughs> we're just, watch. We're just jaded, <laughs> grumpy old men. Exactly. Who's in there complaining while everybody's else posing for <laughs> photographs and doing all the media stuff. But I, I, what I enjoyed about being with you guys in Cape Town was that I, I got to, it reminded me of how much collegiality there actually is in the media because yeah. we forget about that. We're all actually in competition for eyes and ears, yeah. but we like each other and yeah. we get along and we're doing very different things. You have been doing this TV gig now on Morning Live for a long time. Yeah. And I, I mean that with respect and honor and credit because first of all I don't know that many people in television who've been doing what you do as long as you've done it yeah you're not only brilliant at it but the audience clearly love you and you've maintained sanity while all around you the cr country's gone crazy it has this country's mad we're a bunch of lunatics yeah uh politically things are always up in the air the SABC where I worked and where I had a terrific time. I have no qualms admitting that I actually worked there under great uh, conditions. I got along with everybody pretty well. It was only right at the end we had some disagreements. Mostly I just ignored management. Mm. But you've managed to, to – because a lot of stuff goes on behind the scenes. People just see you on camera. Yeah, yeah. And you've got a terrific team you work with. I mean, I just love Sakina to pieces. Yeah. She's yeah. also fantastic. How are you feeling after all this time? So, I mean, it's a it's a long it is a long time, and I mean, it's 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 interesting to sort of hear you put it in that way because that's that's really what it's about, you know. It's it is. I, I think when I entered into this arena, it was always like, okay, um, let me do this very slowly. Let me sort of find. I mean, I always did. I worked my career quite slowly. Wherever I I went, I stayed and I learned and I I wanted to be good at what I was doing before I took the next step. 
for instance, I will get to your answer, but I want to just build it up to how I landed sitting in that chair because I remember being offered the 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 host of I mean the, the position of Morning Live when Tracy was going, and I actually said no because I'm not ready for this yet. Like I was doing a business program, I just started at the SABC, I wasn't sure about it. It was just all very new to me. So I was like, let me please just settle in this place, you know? Because and in those days, I must say, SABC was 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 different to what it is now. In 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 a way where I don't know there was there was just so many opportunities and it was fan, fantastic it was a brilliant well, the, the country brilliant organisation things were things were like it, it this. was different it was yeah. different so you know you went there and then I <clears throat> I left it and and didn't take it and didn't take the opportunity and then when I was you asked, didn't jump at it immediately not at all no it was sort of something that I thought it actually intimidated me I thought I'm not ready for this then I I when I did the uh, the elections for the very first time and there's one thing about the the SABC is when there's a big event the SABC pull it off like nobody else can pull it off. And the elections are one of those events that they do the most incredible job. And to be a part of it is amazing. Oh. And that was the time that I, I was partnered with Fuyo and Bully. And we sat down for the 2004 elections sure. and we sat together and there was just this I, chemistry and it worked. Then for the second time, uh, the, the executive producer came to me after the elections and said, okay, I've never done this before. I don't think I ever will do this again, but I'm asking you for a second time now. Will you please take over as the female anchor of Morning Live? And then I was ready and I was like, absolutely. So then I worked on it as a, like when I, then I felt at that time I was ready. And then I thought, I thought, okay, well, let's try and do this for two years. And then I thought, okay, this is, I can do it. Then for five years, I thought, okay, no, this is actually quite good. Then another two years, then it turned to 10 years, then it was 15 years, then 17 years, and here I am sitting 20, 20 years. It's a phenomenal and, thing. And it has, every year has been a new year. Mm. It's been a new challenge. It's been a new change. It's also with it has come with something that I've always wanted. And, I'm, and I think I've worked towards this goal to show that this broadcasting, particularly in news and current affairs is a career. It's not a pretty face. It's not sitting in front of a camera and aimlessly reading words. It is understanding, it's knowing, it's building credibility and a reputation and something that people respect and you can make a career of yeah. it. And, I, and I'm happy to have done that. If anything else, oh, nothing else, that you, is you, what I'm you, happy you've about. You've done it and you've done it so well. And I'm curious as to what that stability factor is because it's been great for us as viewers. Yeah. And for the country to have one thing that stayed stable yeah. through these 20 years, yeah. because everything else has changed, as I mentioned in the introduction. What do you think the magic is that keeps things stable? Because they haven't, you know, you don't, um, apart from, from Vuyo, which was tragic, yeah. you know, and I remember all of that happening. And, and again, I know how, mu how much that impacted you yeah. and the whole team, obviously. But who else is involved there to make it work the way that it does? Well, I mean, I remember when Vuya did pass away and, and I remember the executive producer at the time phoned me and said, I mean, and this is when I was just finished. This was, I found out the early hours of the Sunday morning, you know, um, as everybody else was, mm. you know, it happened on the Saturday, the early hours of yeah. the morning, I was getting this news and I was at a concert and I walked out of this concert and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. What are you, are you joking? And did you immediately because this is how I am, so it's no reflection on you, but if you do, if you admit to this, I'll be very happy. I won't be the only one. Yeah. Did you immediately think, oh, Monday's show is going to be 
Yeah, you, you obviously feel terrible. You're thinking about Vuya's family, yeah. all, but immediately, like my thought would go, "Oh, Monday's show is going to be so horrible." My, my, you know, my mind didn't even go to Monday's show. My mind went to, uh, like, to a hundred thousand places. For me, I wasn't going to work on Monday. I was like, "This, this, it finished me off completely." Because I'm thinking, this is just devastating. You were too emotional to even think yeah, about. Yeah, I remember sitting at home we, because I was, we were meant to spend the night at this place, and um, you're taking me back to that night. I've actually forgotten about it. You know, you know how you hide these feelings away. So I, I remember going to a concert, and there was a Greek what was concert. The concert. It was a Greek concert, a Greek artist that came out, and we were going to spend the night at the hotel because whenever you go to these Not concerts, Vakanakis. whatever his Something, name is, yeah, exactly. Right. And for all your husband's relatives, and you knew it was going to be a big whiskey drinking evening. It was going to be a fun night, but you know that stopped that in its put tracks. The nail in there, right? And then I we checked out of the hotel we were staying in and I just said to Mark, we got to go home. we got to get out of here because when this sort of, this is just too big, this is terrible and I can't actually face anything. Went home, I remember sitting up all night in front of the TV waiting for six o'clock for the weekend show to start and that I could actually just watch and see if this was true and I saw the team on the Sunday morning, they were finished. They managed to sort of carry it through. Then I got a phone call from the executive producer but later on that day to say, about the show tomorrow, I'm like, what do you mean the show tomorrow? And they're exactly as you're saying. You said, Leanne, the show has to go on. Mm. And if the country don't see your face there, this is not going to be good. Remember that this is bigger than you. And that word has always stuck in my mind. And those lines. So, And ever since that event, I've always realized that the show is bigger than me. But the fact that I am there adds that stability. Was was that executive producer around for a very long time? Are they still the exec producer? No, they're gone now. They're gone. Who, who Everybody. Was who was that? Who was there? Uh, Notanda Moseko. Okay. So she was there. and Because um, that's a, that's a big job. It was a very big job. On that show of yours. Because it that, was. that person's not really just a behind the scenes. They actually direct things yeah. in a big way. Yeah. It was a it was a it was a good thing and a good call. And she knew us both so well. And we worked with her for a very long time. Um, and yeah, between... Her and at the time Nyana Malete also same thing. They were, you know, that this was this was bigger than us. But the thing is, I had to put my face there. Yep. And then ever since that, I always, even during the the difficult Zuma years, the cloudy years, the these years, I always, in my heart, I knew the show is bigger than you. The show mm. is bigger than you. Is that this represents the state of the country and the hope? And if you walk away, and if you're not there. Isn't this admitting defeat? And I, I mean, there were times where my one foot was out that door. And then at one point, almost both of them were out the door, but then they were pulled back in. So it, it just, it's been difficult. They've been amazing times, but they've been very tough times. Yeah. I mean, the, the toughest ones are obviously when you've got breaking news, but those are also the times where most people are going to watch. Yes. Those yes. are the days where you know the audience is going to be watching you, paying attention. And because you're there in the morning, people are especially vulnerable yeah you know you've just woken up and nobody wants to wake up to bad news but you've got to be the one who tells them this stuff. exactly exactly and that's the thing but i think i think one of the things that we've always well i i remember walking into that show with for you and i've tried to maintain it was and and this is the feedback that i get from so many people that will approach me and tell me you know you made me fall in love with news you and Voya made me fall in love with news because you made it so approachable. You made it so real and you made it fun. 
And I was like, really? And it was like, yes, you, you made it something that we wanted to watch. And you made it exciting. You made it interesting. And you could even take it and make it really funny, uh, even though we were in the news environment. News, yeah. So, And I've continued well, they, to do that. What do they say? It takes, it takes years and years of practice to look this comfortable. To make it look this easy. Yeah, Absolutely. Easy. Um, you, you covered the death of Nelson Mandela. Yes, which I remember oh. doing on radio where we did like, uh, Fresh and I did like a tandem show from two in the morning or whatever sure. it was, all the way through until like 9 a.m. Yeah. Just kind of taking calls and, and, and talking to people and giving them updates and all of that stuff. And I, I remember that day like it was yesterday, <laughs> even though it's now a long time ago. Can you believe it was the same? It was actually the same. Here's another story I can tell you. It was, it was the same year that Voyo died. So <laughs> I, you, I remember... Here's a here's a stark thing for for the plan. There was always something called the M plan. Yeah, and that like was a box of footage and that? material, we and both you know, there you had and your scripts ready, and and you knew that when when you got the phone call to say that Madiba had passed away, we kicked into the M plan. So that M plan included me driving around with a black suit in the back of my car at all times. So when It'd you got ready. the call, yeah. you had to drive wherever you were straight from that place to studio makeup. You had to be live on air in whatever it was, a half an hour, you know, just until the president, you had to get the president to break the news that Mandela had passed away. So now I'm, you know, go back, that suit, I, it was all very different. Oh, it's, it's all How long kind did of you weird. have it in the boot? It was there for a good couple of weeks or months, actually. It, but I never got to wear it for Medema. I wore oh. it for Voyo. Because Voyo and I were meant to be doing that together. And he passed away uh, before... Mandela. And so that black suit was worn that Monday morning when I had to be wow. talking about that. And then when um, Madiba passed away, guess where I was? I was in Bloemfontein in the place where Vuyo passed away. So I was skydiving of all of the things. We did a live broadcast where I jumped out of a plane and wow. we were sort of like going to broadcast that the next morning. I was sitting in a and b in a hotel waiting for the broadcast the next morning to get a phone call to say, Mandela's passed away. We've got to kick into the M plan. And I'm like, I'm not there. I'm in Bloemfontein. And when I drove to the broadcast site in the morning, because we, we did a broadcast, we had to quickly make shift, do something. So we did a broadcast from the cooling towers in Bloemfontein that had the faces of all of the former ANC presidents. And we thought that would be, and the church was there where the formation of the ANC was. So we thought, okay, well, that would be a good place. And as I was driving there at like 2 three in the morning, because we needed to go on really, really early, I drove past that Bloemfontein hospital where Vuyo died. Wow. And I was like, you like, uh, bugger. He's, uh, he's you with you on this one. You bloody brought me here. <laughs> well, I, I remember driving past because I was, I was doing a club gig at a, I was DJing at a, at a party the night before. When I got the news, because it was at night, and I announced it, it just killed the whole vibe, but I didn't care. I had to get out of there anyway. Yeah. And... I got in my car and I drove and on my way, they were taking him, well, the body too, because I saw the blue light You're brigade joking. on the opposite side. Oh, it wow. was weird. Oh. I got goosebumps. Yeesh. And then I had to talk about this and carry on and, you know, do it for many hours just to. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's weird. And then, of course, you did, you know, you've done all the events. Everything that's happened in the last 20 years has been here. But four elections, four general elections, three provincial elections. Four presidential inaugurations. You've interviewed everybody. Do you ever get like it's just going through the motions? No, it's actually 
It's actually not because it's always just a, it's always a new and it's a different experience and it's a. Now, I know you're gonna say that, but aren't there days where you you get in your car to drive into work and you think, oh, this. I have to do this again. I mean, I know you you love your job. Yeah. So I'm just couching it so you don't have to feel bad I, about saying that sometimes you also like everyone who ever had a job in the world, like Elon Musk, doesn't love every day. No. Oh no. Oh no. You, you can't know? love every day. Yeah. You can't, you can't be that <laughs> stupid to say you love every day. But I mean, I'm just I'm thinking back to this morning, and I thought to myself, oh gosh, we want to talk about gas shortages and yeah. things like that again. And actually, when I'm in the space of talking about gas shortages and South Africa may run out of gas, then I, I get so involved in it and, it and I actually find it really interesting. Like when you're going into it, you don't, you think, oh, I don't, but you, I walk out of it learning something. And then we had just coincidentally happened to have an interview now with um, this morning with Lady Zamar. And yeah. I mean, she's disappeared and she's now coming back on. I don't need to educate you about this. But again, it was like, I, I just took, so much from speaking to her and realizing, you know, what this woman has gone through. Well, this is what makes you a real and broadcaster. That's what I this, but this enjoy. is why you're so good at what you do. Yeah. Um, and I didn't bring you here just to blow smoke up your ass. But Please don't because I'm – The reality being... The reality is you're good at it because you take an interest in other people and yeah. you're interested in whatever's the subject of discussion for that yeah. morning. You're not pretending. Yeah. I know that's really you. Yeah. And you have to be and you have to be interested in so many different things because if you're not interested, the audience are going to know straight away you, and you can tell it straight away right. you're I mean, like this woman does not care about this at all yeah and you feel it you do feel it and that's that i think is a key <laughs> and it is a key to broadcasting is if you just don't if you're not interested and oh. and believe me there have been interviews where I'm have thinking, you ever been so tired because you wake up so early oh and you you have kids you you're a fight, mom you're a, you're a wife you, do, you have a life outside of when you're on camera yes have you ever got into the studio and you're so tired that you find yourself doing an interview because this has happened to me sometimes. You're busy, you're focused on that person and you know like they can watch every muscle twitch on your face. But <laughs> deep down inside you're like, if if I weren't on camera now, I'd be fast, fast asleep. asleep. Yeah, that was this morning actually. <laughs> I was ready to fall asleep. There was just no air in the studio and I was like I exhausted <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, Guys, we need air. We need air in here. I'm falling asleep. I'm falling asleep. It's real. Yeah. These things are real. But something happens when a red light comes on. When you know you're live, you're kind of just like, okay, no, I'm fine. Got to get with it. I can do it. I can do this. I can do this. But it, it isn't. I mean, it is, you know, especially now, we're working in and amongst an atmosphere um, where it's contract renegotiations. People oh. don't know if they're going to have a job. You know what it's like at the SABC at yeah. this time of the, horrible, of the year. Horrible it's time. a horrible, horrible atmosphere and vibe and nobody knows what their future is. And, and you know, we, we're in a changing industry. I mean, you were the one who saw this way before anybody else. I mean, the fact that you were hosting a primetime breakfast show and you were the one that stepped away from it mm. and said... There's still people who think I was fired. But exactly. I, I have to keep putting he, out that fire everywhere I and go. And say, no. But yeah... I saw Do you, the potential. Well, I mean, I, I, I kind of wanted to save this for the end, but it's come up. Do you ever think, like, I must jump before I'm pushed? Or do you ever think, yeah. is 20 years enough? Yeah. Because, I mean, even with, with Idols, I was like 10 seasons. I, I was pretty much Sick ready enough. to go anyway. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I think it all the time and, and more now than ever. <laughs> Because, it, it, like I said, I've, I've kind of worked to where I'm at at the moment, and I love it. But uh, I, I think I think the I think news is something that just forms a part of your blood, and it's very very hard. I mean, I look at the likes of a Christian Amanpour, and I look at the likes of 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 
men and women that have been doing it for years and years and years, and you actually just look at them and gain. Get, more. They get better. You just you get, get better. better. You yeah, get better. And, and I mean, better. listen, a, an old battle axe, war torn. <laughs> this is it. Christian Amanpour is. She's living proof that you can keep you, doing this. And, and you get better. People used to say it was very sexist. Maybe she's a, a bit of a, a ceiling glass ceiling breaker in yeah, that respect. It is. But I think in the news medium. There are there are loads of men and women who've kept doing it for years. You, know, you go a bit silver, you get even more credible. This is a thing, you know? and and because it they is, they'd be stupid to get rid of you. But why, do, but would, would you, you leave? You know, in, in, as a, as an individual, you do because you start thinking like, well, you know, I, my worry is always, are they sick of me? Yes. Is like, anyone? I mean, is what are the is public feel? Come what on this, this morning, and they're going to go, oh, that guy again. Here they are again. Yeah. Is there no one fresher or newer or better than this? Is this all we have to offer? Then you have to bash your mind and kind of think to yourself, no, hang on. You know what? I belong here. I deserve this. I've worked really hard to be here. Now, you know why? You were, you're the CEO of a company and you're printing money. They're not going to get rid of you. No, they shouldn't. But then again, if you stay somewhere for too long, they also say to you, like, you know, the oxygen gets very thin when you're at the top for too long. So you should step down. But I think that's for CEOs have, and stuff. Have you ever experienced in the media business any kind of sexism? I mean, you do. You know what? I can. I, I'm going into the every box in my brain, and I'm I'm, I'm thinking about that. Not. Yes, of course I have. Oh, in the beginning of my career, absolutely. You do. You go through that. You. Uh, I, I've always been clever enough to to bat it off, though. It, it's not something I've ever fallen for. I've never, no, ever. You, I mean, I'm kind of, we've yeah. got to go a little bit into your history here. But, I mean, you come from a very loving family. Yeah. You come from a very strong family. You were obviously raised in a, in a, in a way that most people are not, where they don't necessarily have the tools to be able to stand up and be confident and go on camera and, you know, say, yeah. say what they think about things. Yeah. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about how, how that happened, how you grew up, brothers, sisters, all yeah. that sort of stuff. So, I mean, a, a very lucky, fortunate family. I've had a, a, a brilliant upbringing. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed at this point to still have my mom and my dad who are That's together wonderful. and they are still married. And I you mean, you get to see them often? I see them all the time, all the time. That's I lovely. I talk to my mom every single morning at the same time. Lovely. Um, and I, I see So her. important. When people talk about privilege, that is it. Yeah. No, you so know? lucky. That's so, so lucky, you know, all the time. And, and they are, are sort of a, a beautiful example to me and for how they've conducted themselves in their lives. So that's who I truly do look up to. And uh, I've got one brother and, you know, we grew up Johannesburg. That was where we were both born, grew up, educated, stayed here the whole time. Joburg is in my blood, unfortunately. I say unfortunately because it will be hard to get rid of me and to go somewhere no, more exotic. People are mean about Joburg. <laughs> Joburg's Great. It is beautiful. No, I don't want people to say horrible it things really about is. And so, and family is very, very important to me. And and family keep me, they keep me grounded and humble because, and I've always said that, that, that like, I am just so lucky to do what I do. It just happens to be what I want to do. Um, and, and that doesn't mean you're more special than anyone else. I'm just really, really lucky. But believe me, the hard work that has gone into doing what we do and and staying grounded and staying humble and realizing what the important things in life are. And for me, it's it's family. It's family, it's friends, and then your career. But there, but there are also sacrifices that you've had to make in doing this show early in the morning. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to make too much of a thing about it because it's not like you and I work in salt mines. But the reality is you can't do things at 
night during the week. No, no, that's and fine. you can't take your kids to school. No, ne- you haven't ever taken your kids to school. No, and they used. You to don't know that. how that feels. Exactly. Most moms, that's part of what being a mom is. Yeah, you know, and. You've never ha- had the feeling of taking your, your kids to school. No, but I have the feeling of picking them up and watching yeah, them play sports fair and enough. being with them no, every day. Look, there are advantages. It's a and huge and if, advantages. if you can, you can probably get out of there by like nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and sorry. your day's done and you've already done all of your work. Yeah. Isn't that the best thing in the uh, that's world? That's what I love about it. It's amazing. I mean, I have. I have left, you know, you do. You leave your house and your heart's broken and you know that you've left your one kid with a temperature, the other one's feeling sick, the other one's crying for you at the door because they don't want you to go to work. You know you know this, but you go. I'm not isolated. People go through this. A lot mm-hmm. of people go through it. But there are those there are those. Um, sure, there's some lady who wakes up and catches three taxis exactly. to get to a domestic worker job. Exactly. She's got the same problem as you, except she's not on TV. No, she's She's not on TV. She's not earning a great salary. Mm. And she certainly is not sitting in a warm, um, bum-heated chair to get me to work. And this is this is the reality. So, you know, you look at that. That's important, that that heated chair in the car. I never realized At 4 a.m. Oh. on a weekday when you're not feeling so lacquer. You can you take. Got a, you got a tuchus warmer. <laughs> that, makes you, that makes you feel much better, you right? You can take it all, but Small leave things. that. Just leave the, the just arse leave warmer. This, yeah, exactly. It's oh, important. If everything crumbles around me, please just give me my seat warmer. <laughs> but these are, these are the kind of things that get you through. So you, you want to look at it, and I look at it from every angle. And it is a lonely job. I, I don't know if you feel that, um, what we do. These hours are very unsociable. They, you know, everybody's at work when you're at home. Everybody's sleeping when you're going to work. Yeah. Um, there's not like a hell of a lot of people around and you just sort and, of and become like more you, isolated. It's, and it's not like you can suddenly sh- switch it off over weekends because your rhythm is, Yeah. even if you're not a morning person, and I never have been, I'm but not you still one. struggle over a weekend to like stay up late or Wake up early. Exactly. Uh, or wake up late, rather. This is it. It's this impossible. is the thing. It, it's the same. We, we go through the same thing. We okay, live in the now same we world. look how we suffer. Everybody's uh, going, oh, oh shame, shame, look at these they, people. Well, they've started a fund for us, a crowdfunding. You, so I didn't know about this UNHCR goodwill ambassador. What does that mean? Do you oh. have to wear a little blue uniform and like <laughs> hand out soup to like kids in you're Nairobi? A, you're such a humanitarian. What do you, Gareth, <laughs> what do you have to do? Beautiful. That's the United Nations Human Rights yeah, Commission. It is, it is. It, so it, you're in the same crew then as Angelina Jolie. Well, okay, but there's Angelina Jolie and, and then- yeah, I think that's a big, yeah, I, that's how I would sell it. it it's, you know what, once a year- certainly makes it more interesting than like running a soup kitchen. One, once a year, they, they put, and it's quite surreal, every single Goodwill ambassador gets to have a meeting all together and you all sit on a- on a on a what on a Zoom call or a Teams call or whatever it is, and there in front of you is like I mean it blows your mind. And George Clooney. I mean you see all these guys yeah. sitting there. There's Stanley Tucci in the one. There's Kate wow. Blanchett in the other one. And there's, former prime ministers and presidents. I mean, it's just insane. And you all you sit there and you look at this and you think, wow, okay, I'm sitting here. I'm part of this. Do you ever get a little bit starstruck by any of these people? Because you've interviewed Mm-mm. everyone. You've interviewed Oprah. I mean, yeah. is there anyone who sat opposite you and you thought, oh my God, wow, this is a this is an important person. I'm a little bit nervous. Not anymore. No, not ever since Oprah. I swear, <laughs> I promise you. Really, it all changed with it Oprah. It all changed because it was right <laughs> at the beginning of like right, right, right in the beginning. I don't know if it was maybe 2005, 2004. I'm not even sure. And I had the opportunity of 
of interviewing Oprah. Every nerve, every oh. intimidation, every it's yeah. like interviewing your hero because I absolutely love her. Definitely. So the fact that I was given the opportunity to interview her and every emotion, every heartbeat, every feeling, everything went. And she walked into this room and she was like, she just walked straight up to me and she said, I've been watching you and I think you're great. And she just sat down and we had this conversation and I'm like, Okay, so you're a normal human being. And ever since then, I just She's look at not you. normal, though, because to do what she did there. She was. I mean, that's, that is first class. She's incredible. There's no amount of media training. There's no amount of Nothing. experience that can make up Nothing. for that. She's like a master of her craft. It is. It's true. Because in that moment, that she won you for life. She did. Right. And she changed me for life oh. because at that point, I was like, man, if you're normal – Anyone else after you that I speak to is going to be as normal as anyone else. And, and you realize that, okay? You can't, nobody, don't ever put anybody above you. And that's the thing. When you're doing an interview, no matter how important or not important this person is, you put them on the same level and you speak to them exactly as I was telling you when I woke up this morning and I'm thinking, oh, I've got to do an interview about this. Yes, you know yeah. what? It's the same thing. If you are interested in this person and in what they have to say, any, any interview can be interesting. Do you find the studio is now your comfort zone? Yes. As in you can do anything in the studio. Anything can happen and you can handle it. Yeah. But being on stage or being next to the sports field while your kids are playing some sport, that's way more difficult. Yes. Right? That's where you have to like think about – get your head out of the, the – because now it's become – your learned behavior in the studio means you are at your best and you're primed to react. But when you're not there, it's like you feel a bit doff. Yeah, this is it. Is it right? It is. Okay, yeah. And, it, and especially when you become, you know, because, because you've been in this environment for so long, you know, people tell you, do you get those butterflies? Do you get those feelings? I mean, do you? No. No, neither do I. No, no, I, I worry about that. Me, me I worry too. that it's, it's complacency. I don't know, because I also think the same thing. Like, I, I wonder if, I mean, you hear the live tune going and then you think, oh, my gosh, maybe where are those things, where are those butterflies? I mean, I would hear of seasoned broadcasters who always would say, and I don't know if they're lying or they're telling the truth, that they felt it every time. And I'm like, no, because I haven't felt it in a very long time. But, but it's not because I'm complacent about it. It's just that I actually transitioned from just being who I am to being the same person when the cameras are rolling. And it's just maintaining that same sense of... Let's go. Here's the story. Let's keep going. What are your backup plans if your alarm doesn't go off? Because <gasps> you've got to have like four different – have you ever woken up so late that you couldn't make it on time? A handful of times. Oh, shit. It's okay. happened. Because you see – It has happened. You, you, you strike me as a very disciplined, I've got like four, organized like person. Snooze, 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 snooze. But it even happens to you. So everybody who feels bad listening yeah. to this now that they've been late for work this week or whatever, <laughs> give yourself a break. If Leanne Madison – It's happened. So what, what happened? Well, I, I kind of the one time I blamed Blackberry. <laughs> I did. I blamed them. I was like, and you remember, do you ever remember we all had Blackberries and this did, it was a true story. <laughs> Blackberry, you know, you remember you had to take the battery out and put the battery back in to reboot the damn thing. Uh huh. No, you didn't ever own no, a Blackberry. I, I, no, I'm going to pretend. Are you serious? Never you never, you know, oh. so you've always been an Apple man. No, I, I went from Nokia to Apple, but oh, you remember okay. Nokia? Well, I, remember well, those? Of course, I remember that, but it wasn't a BlackBerry. BlackBerry had to take the battery out because it would hang. It would do this thing, and then overnight it started hanging, and this thing would hang, and it it did. And I just, I had to, and the alarm didn't go off, and I was like, no, oh, man, my, my BlackBerry, something or other. I promise you, I got home to just 
like BlackBerry got hold of me and said, this is unacceptable. We can't believe it. No, this is terrible. You can't not wake up. And what went wrong with the alarm? We need to give you a new device. We need to, I'm like, gee, was, that right. was when I realized those were the heydays. Now I can blame anybody. I get nothing. But, but <laughs> now it's I just so you, you, Did you still make it on time? No, I, got, I think I got there after the first news bulletin. But we always working. It was okay, when he so was there. So they handled it. So nobody, I, nobody who watched would have known. No, I, I, we just made a joke <laughs> of it. But these days, people have lost, not, not uh, the viewer, the management have lost but, their sense of humor. And now they just won't let you on air. It's like, well, no, it's so funny because in, in the days before even we were on radio or TV, like they would just fire people. Yes. Because there, there were 100 people waiting in the yes, queue to come and bang, take bang, out. You're out, you're out, you're finished, right, you're next. done. Did you love that show, the the morning, uh, what was it called? The the Jennifer Aniston show? Uh, what was it called? I know, the morning show. Morning show. I, no, I watched. Did the, you hate it? I watched the beginning of it. I started watching it. Because I thought of you while I was watching and then it. It's, exactly. And then it started hitting a little too close for home and I haven't yeah. switched it on since. And you can't, it's probably traumatizing. Yeah, I haven't watch, switched yeah. it on since. And I, everybody Steve Carell, Jennifer me, Aniston. Such a good show, yeah, though. Yeah, it's brilliant. Mm. I mean, I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to go there. Well, yeah, do do it over a little holiday break or something. Exactly. But look, can we go back to the UNHCR stuff, or are we still? Yeah, of course. Uh, no, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. We don't have. I don't have an agenda. Can we not? What do you think? I've got some stuff here that uh, they've written down for me so that I don't forget how important. Oh, well, don't worry about how that. important you are. No, because well, you, you are. Know, does anyone know? I mean, listen. So what is this? Gareth you, and I go back to like way too far to think anybody's more important than the other. Where did we actually meet? We'll get back so, to UNHCR. So, wasn't it seven o two? Uh, oh, we were probably. both sort of at seven or two, and I mean, we were just like, I just thought you were the coolest guy ever. <laughs> I did. Why, why? I don't know. Come on. I'm trying to remember why. Well, I married someone like you, so that's probably why. So let's just talk about this brilliant husband of yours. Yeah, shall he, we? Let's th go for That it. is a very interesting area love of conversation. It, yeah. So he is one of these men who's just so unbelievably confident because he has to be to, marry, yeah. to be married to you. Yeah. You get all the attention. You walk into a room, it sucks all the oxygen out of the room, and he doesn't care about no, that. He, he does his own thing. Yeah. Most of the time he's happy if people leave him alone. He wants people to leave him he alone. He wants people to leave him alone, so we do have that in common. But the two of you also have a really cool family. You all went to Iceland <gasps> and you took a road trip around Iceland together, which sounds like so much fun. I know. And I made him do that because I am the one that makes him do things that he doesn't even think about doing, which is so nice. If you w weren't suggesting things like that, would he just want to stay at home? He's that guy. <laughs> Can you, do you see what I'm saying? Love it. He, like, he would yeah, never like, leave I, the I house. I like everything about Mark. He would never leave the house. I'm like, Mark, we are not staying home. He's like, but why? It's so nice and, here. And with, the, with <laughs> events that you have to go to, does he like mostly say to you just – you can go on your own this time. Well, or just take a friend or okay. I don't mind. I don't mind. You go. Oh, I'll good. look after the children. I'll do this. I'll do it. But if there's and like he's important. he's secretly really relieved if you say, I'm going to take uh, this friend of mine along. So, I mean, I, I took him. I took him to an event <laughs> the other day. And I mean, I was so honored that that the Glamour magazine, they, they, they nominated me. They gave me the... Woman of the Year, the Icon Award. For, well, you are a, you're a glamorous woman and an icon. Thank you. I can Gary, go with that. Thank you so much. But yeah. so now I've told Mark, please, will you come with me to this function? So he's like, oh, but now why? Why am I so? But I said, well, look, it's quite. I'm, I mean, it's quite important. Please, will you come with me or whatever? And I, but I'm I'm actually not explaining to him what's going to happen. Then he goes like, just before we're about to to leave, he says, you know, you're acting like this evening's like all about you. What? what <laughs> it kind of is. It's my exact response. I said, well, it kind of is. I'm sort of getting like the award. He says, but why didn't you tell me this? He goes, of course. 
course I'll come with you. So I kind of have to win the biggest award of the evening for him to come to a social event. Well, I, I don't want to besmirch his excellent reputation here. And I'll stand up for him. He is a tremendously supportive yeah, husband. It's not like he's disinterested in your career. T- too interested. He just doesn't, he doesn't, um, he's not like, Running around telling people, "Oh, my wife is Leanne Manis," and I mean, he's Not got his own—he's got his own business, he's got yeah. his own career. Yeah, and, he's, and, he's incredible. And he's like very—he's very, that. He's very uh, cool about the fact so that you're this public figure. We we met when I was, you know, when when I was in, you know, trying to build myself up in this industry, and so, I mean, I remember our first dates were going to late night movies, even though he had to be, you know, he's a he's on the financial markets, well, especially more at that time when right. markets were opening in the. So you had to be at the desk at like 6, 6.30 in the morning. But I was working late nights on summit television doing business news. And I would only finish at 11 o'clock or, yeah. or just before then. And he'd like, I mean, we were both so tired to sit and have conversations. So we'd book into a movie and we'd go and sit in the movie. I was wide awake because now I'm Shame like, he'd be sleeping. and he's sleeping next to me in the movie. <laughs> and then he still felt he needed to pass a comment of how rubbish the movie was. And I'm like, but you slept the whole movie. <laughs> so that was the basis of our relationship. And it only grew from there. But, you know, it, it's been, it's been an amazing journey. So we've known each other from, you know, where we sort of were building ourselves up and since got engaged, started a family and and here has, we are. Has either of you ever been annoyed by public attention? And I don't mean in a complainy kind of you're a star way. I mean that sometimes, you know, when you're sitting with your kids at a restaurant or whatever and it's one of their birthdays or you're at a thing with friends yeah, and someone comes up and, you know, asks you for a photograph or whatever. I'm sure that you're always polite and kind. Always. But, but the there, there must be an occasion every now and then where you're like, I'm sorry, I'm just, let me be with my kids. Well, not so much for me, but it, it's actually more funny because every time we do go to a restaurant and a waiter or a waitress or whoever does recognize me yeah. and poor Mark. Like every time. In, what in, are you, inevitably, what are you Mark is sitting there. He's the man who's the man sitting at the table and he's the man who's going to be paying the bill. And they ask him to take the picture. And the poor guy. And he sits there and then he ha- <laughs> they, he just wants to order a drink. Oh. And then the penny will drop as to who I am and then the waiter just gets completely, complete. They lose it completely, yeah, and then they, order they, and they're, they're, they hear my order. I get everything. Oh, he just gets ignored. He gets ignored. He Shame gets nothing, that's, that's nothing. Sucks. And then eventually, the second time around, he'll say, "Okay, are we done? Are you are you okay now? Can I please order my food?" Every single time, and I, I just laugh now. It's just actually become quite funny. It, it really is. But he he's incredible, and it takes a very very special kind of character to handle because I remember on our very first date the one thing he said to me and this is way before anything he said I hate attention if it's, there's one thing I love to just but that's why you're such a good couple yeah it works because I've, no I've, one's seen, fighting for I've attention. seen the two of you in public things he does his thing you get on with the meet and greets and the yeah. schmoozing and all that stuff and he just does his thing he Quite goes and finds someone he's interested in talking to and exactly. he has a chat with them exactly and it so, works the other thing about being on TV is that you have to spend a lot of time sitting around waiting. Yes. I mean, you get there really early. Oh. You, you, you probably have a, you probably spend more time talking to your makeup artist than you do your husband sometimes. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Right? That's the way it is. Because you're in the chair and you're getting ready. Maybe that's even where you talk about what's on the running order for the day. That's exactly it. Mostly right. and we sit and talk about like uh, – because we've got the trending topic segment. So we're looking at trends. We're looking at what happened overnight. We're looking at all of these kind of things. So you're quickly talking. I mean you don't, you don't realize the blur between that alarm clock going off in the morning at 4 o'clock – 
to sitting at the desk being live at six o'clock. It is on. a complete blur. I don't know how I got out of bed. I don't know how I got to work. <laughs> I don't know how I got a face on. I don't know how I got dressed and I don't know how I'm sitting in the chair, but yeah. it happens. It's that fast, you know. And then, of course, it's three hours of concerted, complete focus. Like, it's amazing. Are there any diva proclivities with you? Are there any things that no. you just, you mentioned the tuchus warming chair in the car. That's probably. Is there anything in the studio that you need there in order to do your thing? You want oh. a cup of coffee? Yeah. Okay, so I bring my own. How many coffees do we do a day and, and what you bring your own? I do. As in do you buy it on the way? Have you not worked at have you worked at the SBC? No, I know you can't drink that coffee. It's just a cup Mm-mm. of brown. Mm-mm. But no. There's no coffee. Well, at so once what do you do no at the garage? No. I make it. You've got a plunger thing or do you have okay, so the Nespresso pods? Or, this is important. It is. It's important stuff. No, I wake up in the morning. Okay. Wake up, alarm. Go to the kitchen. Make myself an espresso. Mm-hmm. Have that while I'm reading what's happened overnight. Um, then I, I now go – I'm getting ready while <laughs> I'm having this coffee and reading mm-hmm. and whatever else. Then I come back into the, coffee, into the kitchen. I make another one for the road. Yeah, that's another Nespresso. And then I have a big, like, they call it the National Jojo Tank. It's all right. We just have our producers just coughing at one Oh, you gosh, I've if done If you it. died, it would have been a better story. You're interrupting Leanne. I'm trying to find out about a morning routine and it's become about you. How rude. Carry on. This is the second time in this interview that everybody needs to know coffee. what's going on and in the background. It's always about coffee. Are you guys against coffee or something? All right, so hang on. You Now you're getting ready. Yeah, and, and okay. I've made a second cup of coffee for the car in. Sure. Then I have a, a nice big Stanley jug. Ah, you fell into that trend, did you? No, Long before. way before. Yeah, yeah. Way be- I don't have that one with a straw. Mm. My daughter's got that, and that's ridiculous. So I've got a big Jojo tank full of coffee, about one and a half liters, <laughs> and I drink that for three hours on set. It stays warm? Yeah, it's a stand- um, it's a That's Stanley. amazing. I mean, Stanley. It stays can- warm the whole way through. You yeah. hide it under the desk in front of you. And hide it What's there. going on under that desk? Because I always used to think like uh, there were there were very short people, and there was a little box that they'd put their <laughs> chair on. Because uh, there was that very funny situation where um, I Shame think it was where the chair broke. Clantlanene, yeah. Shame, man. And that the, I mean, <laughs> that oh, was <laughs> that, that was just. I mean, for a minister of finance, that's a pretty awful. He way was to, at the time. Shame. He was the chairman. I mean, that oh, kills yes, me. Exactly. Do you remember? Chairman. He was the chairman yes. of the finance standing committee or something. But yes, the chairman. standing committee made <laughs> exactly. it even worse. It just, everything was It was, was Chris was so I think, wrong. someone, anyway. It was, no, it was the show after Morning Live. Do they was, check your chair? Because God forbid never, we should never. have a Leanne Manis chair incident. Yeah, but they've never, cha- our chairs are the, they've tried to Do change them creak? now. Everything they did, everything were terrible. <laughs> but I, we've, they've put new ones on. But I, I just hope. They How hold. often do they redo that set of yours? No, not very often. No. So if I tuned in, if I went to sleep like Rip Van Winkle, yeah, uh, twenty years ago, and I woke up today, <laughs> the one thing that would be constant in my life would be Leanne Manners. Just me and the set. Oh, that's would be, great. That's amazing. But hey? that is a that's a power play, actually. Well, it's not. Uh, you're not, not twenty years in South Africa. Four presidents, uh, plenty of changes, everything's different, but that's still there. It's still the same. But listen, you've been, how long have you been on radio for now? Mm, well, you, radio, I think I did. Well, it's like looking back. I, I remember when someone asked Nelson Mandela about his time in jail. He said, I think it was 27 years. Yeah. Uh, so I think I've done broadcasting in total for like 
25, 26 years. Exactly. So we're in same the same you. boat. We started around the same time. I mean, you took over from John Burks. <laughs> I mean, that was that, that time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> Who does that? Who fills John uh, Burks's shoes well, I don't think I at did. your age? No, I, look, I was 22 or 23. Exactly. Horrible. And I mean, and then you just carry on. And that's that's the thing. You just, you take an opportunity. But you've been offered all kinds of other shows in the interim. Yeah. Because when people see that you're as good and as professional and as reliable, like that's that's probably the most valuable thing of all. Yeah, is, reliable because they're talented, brilliant people, but then they go off on a drug binge or they disappear yeah. to Panama for a year. Or, like you're consistent, you're dependable, <laughs> but yeah. they see you and producers and and media people go, we need Leanne Manis. She's credible. She's dependable. We know that she will deliver. Yeah, and you've been offered tons of shows. Right? Yeah. You had to turn some difficult money I down, some I difficult have. opportunities I've down. I've had to turn some some really interesting opportunities that came my way down. Um, and 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 I don't know why. I mean, they might be it, it might be very stupid on my behalf to have done that. Did they ever ever offer you some horrible game show? Did I ever get for a game show? No, no, I got one no. Or two. I got one or two of the game Did show. Did you? Yeah, but I mean, that would make more sense for you. They're not offer <laughs> no, me I a game no to show. All imagine. Imagine. No, but I would be terrible. At that You'd be too. awesome at like. You a, think? A, come on, a game show like, but like one of those intimidating so, game shows. Yeah, but I'd be so horrible to the contestants. And you'd ask like these really difficult questions, and then the viewer would know no, you know the would, answer. I'd leave people with a bad taste. Like a Jeremy Clarkson. What's he doing? Who wants to be a millionaire? That would be good uh, for you. That would be great. Come on. I don't know. Anyway, tell me about yours. Oh, oh, what were um, you offered? National Geographic, traipsing through like the that. forest with gorillas? That would be nice. That would be <laughs> You'd like to do that? <laughs> Not really, no. But you but are an adventurer. I mean, you spoke I just now about skydiving. Skydiving. And, 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 and your, your family trip to Iceland. So you, yeah. you're not scared to do No, not at all. Stuff. I love it. I'm that idiot that always says yes. Like, I mean, I, 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 I said yes to jumping off a cliff um, on the longest, whatever, swing, something or other. I couldn't believe I said I was going to do it. I did it. Hated saying yes. Hated standing there before it happened. Hated doing it while I was doing it. And still hate it all these years later. Like, I, I don't know why I said but yes, but I did But you didn't say it. no. No, exactly. I'm an idiot and I know that. But, I mean, I'll do these these silly things, but, but, but I enjoy them. It's all part of the experience. But, yeah, I have. But, you know, nothing has spoken to me. That's the thing. It's that... You know, this this program has spoken to me. It's I just always feel like, and I may be at that point now where it's okay. It's it's I can let go of it now. That it's that it's you know it's it's it now is is what it is. It's it's its own little beast, which is wonderful. I mean, it's quite incredible that a morning show can be going on for. How long has Morning Life been on? Twenty five, twenty eight years. I'm not even sure. Yeah, Twenty five I mean, years. You I think. Remember Tracy going, you said she just started now. I remember it with, Tracy. Yeah. Absolutely, she started it with Fuyo. And I mean, that's going 25, 26 years. I really don't know my dates And do you remember properly. before that, it was Good Morning South Africa exactly, that we all used to watch days. when and I was on my way into school? This is the thing. In those days, everybody watched. You know, in those days, there was yeah, nothing. And now you're competing with Twitter uh, and Instagram it's different. and Facebook it's different. and The viewership YouTube. is not the same you'll never get that viewership again there is variety there is there are so many other channels there's international there's the the, the youth of today they don't they don't watch tv they no. stream whatever they do want to watch. how do your kids respond to you being on tv i don't think they ever watch but never. do they, they they obviously know yes what of course you do. they know yeah do other kids ask them about hey is your mum uh going to talk about this today or? you know they don't they they quite young my poor 
daughter was so embarrassed the other day in class because some teacher was was carrying on about you know like oh, do you guys know who Gabriella's mom is? Oh boy. Oh, and she just sat there and she said, Mom, I, and she's so cute. And she, everything drained Hold out of she my now? face. She's 11 years old. Oh. And she's like, everything drained out of my face. And I was so embarrassed. And they just carried on and on and on. And <laughs> and it's like, and then after one, and, and then, you know, everyone was asking me like, really, is your mom famous? Is she like, oh. I mean, what did grade 11? Because also you, they, they have your husband's surname, so they shouldn't exactly. stick out. Exactly. Normally they wouldn't know. No, They'd not normally. They'd have to ask. Exactly. So she wanted um, to die. The the most disruptive thing, I'm sure you have some reflections on this, was probably COVID. Oh, man. Because it changed everything in the media business and, and in everyone's business in the whole world. It was just such a bizarre thing that it happened. It was. How was that experience for you and what did you guys do? Gee, was, that was an experience that I – it was it was almost surreal. I mean, we didn't – nobody knew. So now you, you're locking down, okay? We're hearing that it's stage five. In the beginning, it was like – because remember, that right at the beginning, nobody even knew anybody who had COVID. was like no. – I mean, I remember speaking to my best friend who lives in New York and I said – can I ask you anything? Do you know anybody who's got COVID? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. And and then she showed me because she she stayed opposite the the main hospital in New York, and she Cedar showed me. Sinai or whatever. There you go, yeah. exactly. So she showed me across the across from her building where she lived. She showed me the hospital, and she said, "I'll tell you how how bad it is here." She says, "You see those trucks there?" So I said, "Yeah." She says, uh, "Today is a very bad day because there were about six trucks." Because those had the corpses in them, because they'd run out of space to keep the bodies. Ah, please. No, America, they're all hysterical. I don't even want to talk about That's it. We're all, not going um, there. Americans are so hysterical. They were but probably anyway, fine in so the trucks. Let's not get into the COVID <laughs> talk. But anyway, so those are the trucks, and she would no, tell but, me every day, like whether how but bad when did or good. It hit and home, I didn't like like. When I did it hit home that it. you guys were going to have to change the show? So that was how we sort of now we realizing. Okay, we're going into stage five lockdown. Or level five, what are we going to do? Like, now suddenly, remember as well, it's your, you know, you've got two anchors on the show. You've got to keep this show going because you're now part of the, you know, mm. your essential services. Sure. And uh, do we alternate as in one comes in one day, one comes in another day? Or do we continue to come in at the same time? Sitting so far apart that you could barely see each other. It was so funny. So what, I, what we <laughs> landed up doing was uh, every alternate day, uh, Sakina would be in studio. And then I would be in a booth where the sign language, you know, that little, <laughs> so the little sign language booth. So I would be standing in there. So the one person would read the news and then we would speak to each other from the different studios to each other so that we could actually um, still be on air at the same time. The one would read news, the other one would do the, the interviews. And all you spoke about was COVID numbers, how many oh. have died, how many are sick, who did this, who did that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, again, the viewership went through the ceiling because… Well, everyone is stuck at home. They, you had nothing else to oh, do and you sure. had to watch the news. So that was what we did. And let's admit that everyone for those first few weeks was terrified. Well, we didn't Because we suddenly thought, on. oh my God, it's a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, that was it. But we we carried on. So I have to say I had, I mean, when I when I went to work the first day, I thought there was going to be, you know, that, that sort of metal wire on the streets and <laughs> leaves yeah. being blown yeah, on the streets. Right. There was nothing. I had my letter. I had my ID. I had, because, you know, you had to have all of those you, things when you were going to be right, pulled the, aside. The cops are going to pull you over and say, what are you doing here? It's no, curfew. No, yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing happened. So anyway, but yeah. Well, in the end, nothing happened. Is thank probably, goodness. Thank God. It's yeah. a good. It's a good news story right. to tell. Yeah. So, okay, you've also 
done all these these talks, which people love because then they get to meet you in person. And you get to talk about the stuff that isn't on the running order for that day. It's the stuff you care about. Exactly. And you are a very inspirational, motivational sort of person. So it's easy for you to stand up there in front of a group of people and talk to them about the stuff you care about and help them. People's lives are tough. They yeah. want to know that there are you know, good things happening in the world. They want to hear it from someone like you who's got cred. Do you love doing those things? Love it. And, and I'm actually, um, I'm about, next week I'm launching a new one. So it's, it's a nice, nice time to talk about it because I've got a, a nice, I'd, I'd done a talk for quite some time about sort of achieving my impossible, which was based on the the, the, the trip I took to the top of Kilimanjaro of, I mean, really. I remember that. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but I did it. No, I it's not ridiculous. Get, it's a big I deal. I managed to get there, but I love the story. But, but this one for me is more, and now I come back to the UNHCR. So this particular talk, that I'm launching is is basically a talk about because I've I've traveled to quite a few refugee camps so it's it's really not about soup kitchens and stuff it's actually about where in so I've been to Kenya the biggest one is is Kakuma refugee camp unbelievable I mean Gareth you are these you, Sudanese refugees uh, mostly, mostly from South Sudan yes and I mean it's I mean I could sit for hours and tell you stories about the kind of people that you meet and the the terrain that you find these refugee camps in you're not going to find a country that's going to put it in an oasis no. in a beautiful place I I mean, you, you fly on chartered flights from the UN to get into Kakuma. You land and then you get into a UNHCR armored vehicle and you bash through sand dunes into the middle of nowhere. There's no water. There are no trees. There is nothing. And you think, where are we going? Then suddenly, all of a sudden, on the horizon, you see thousands, tens of thousands of tents and structures that have just grown out of the ground and People are living there. Hundreds of thousands of people have made that their home. And you think, you are kidding me. And it's their stories of survival. So so that was, I mean, that was my first. So I stayed there for a week. And that was one of the most surreal experiences I've ever been through. So there's there. I've been to Malawi, uh, refugee, refugee camps in Malawi. I've been to Lebanon, Syria. So I went to the, the refugee camps there. And then I also, uh, last year, went to Mozambique. And now everybody has this beautiful idea of, of cruising on the beaches in Mozambique. But when you go further up north Ooh. and you see what's happening there with uh, some of these, those terrorist organizations mm. and what they've done to the people, stories of, of women that have run across these bridges where they've literally had to carry their husband's heads that have been oh chopped God. off to a police station and say, if you come near the village, this is what's going to happen again. I mean, these are the stories you hear. So the, the talk is about um, how do you find light in all that darkness? How do you find leaders that shine through all of this? And I promise you, no matter where you go, there are people that you meet in these camps that are absolutely incredible and how they managed to survive in the darkest, most difficult times. And, and I think we're in a dark and difficult time as a country. So the lessons that you learn out of that is just, it's all playing on the light and the, the load shedding and the, the current um, situation sounds, we find ourselves good. in. But those lessons are amazing. Do you, you've mentioned leadership now. Um, do you feel like we've got a leadership crisis in the world? Yeah, we do. Because I look around and I just can't take any of these idiots seriously. Like I'm really, really disappointed in all the world's leaders. And I think the ones that we are forced to look at now, and I don't like any of these people, so I've got to be very clear about this, but I, I see Xi of China and Putin of Russia, and they look like serious people. Mm. These are not guys that mess around. But you look at the, the clowns we've got, Biden, Trump, 
Cyril. Uh, you've got people like Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak. And these are not the serious people on the, on the world stage. These are the people, they, they really are like amateurs. Yeah. And I sometimes think, how did this happen? That yeah. the evil guys, because you know, they're mostly dictators and warlords, are the ones that now have the authority and say the serious things and can talk and can ex explain their position on things. And, and we're relying in the Western world, the civilized world, we're relying on these performance artists because that's what they seem like to yeah. me. It's bizarre, right? It's heartbreaking. I mean, I, you look around and there's just people that you, you just, we, we, you know, you look around and there's just, we are devoid of leadership. It's like mm. wherever you look, there's just, uh, it, it, people are just in it for themselves and you can't understand it. I mean, I feel for, I feel for a generation that has never experienced an, a Nelson Mandela or mm. a person that of that stature where you see somebody like this who is who was strong he he had his values he knew what he wanted he knew what he stood and he for he pulled people with him and he pulled people with it where where do we have that i mean we look at well this is why kids don't want to vote and this is the reality because if you look at the youth of today and they are looking around and laughing at leaders i mean i look at my kids on tiktok and whatever else and they are sitting and laughing at tiktoks that are made of presidents and leaders <laughs> i mean bless biden but you know biden has become a joke you know, that is this the best that America can sentence do? Together. If you and your job were as mealy-mouthed as that, you'd last 15 minutes. This is the thing. So, you know, when you've got guys that are in the And he's got the nuclear power, codes. I, this is it. It's scary. It is very scary. And it, it breaks my heart thinking there's going to be a seismic shift. There has to be a seismic shift when it comes to – because if you see the people that are actually – they're being voted in. Who's this guy that's in – is it in um, Venezuela? Uh, uh, you're thinking of El Salvador, this... Uh, is it El Salvador? Bekele. Is it? Is it this El Salvador? Is, he's the guy who's just like sorted out crime in just two years. And there's another president. Built but I mean, prisons. Just crazy leadership, but it's like... Uh, oh, you're talking about Argentina, man. Argentina, with, that's uh, what I'm thinking Millet, of. Thank you, Millet, not Venezuela. Yeah. He's that's also, it. I mean, he's terrific. But do you see what I'm saying? Is Jeez, that you, I love that guy. You have to I want to move to Argentina. I imagine. So it's like an extremist that you just look at and you think like, okay, stand for something. Well... Stand I for think the something. Key, the key thing for a leader, and we've we've got into this horrible situation where we equate popularity with and fame with leadership yeah. and strength, and yeah. they're not. They're not the same thing. Mm -mm. I mean, a, a TikTok influencer is not a leader. No, not and at all. The leaders are the ones who say no. Like a parent has to discipline a child in order to make the child better as an adult. Yeah. We need leaders who say no, not leaders who say yes. Yeah. And all the leaders in the world are so keen to, you know, they're watching popularity polls the whole time, checking what their numbers are, research groups, spin doctors. It's it's like they, they're trying to be Hollywood stars rather than leaders. Exactly. A leader goes, you know what, we go, it's going to be unpleasant, we're going to war. Yeah, and this is the way it's got to be. I mean, if you right, we're going to fight for I, this, and you might not like it. And I think you know, I do. I do think that I hope, and I and I just bring it all back to to South Africa because, you know, this country is this this country is worth fighting for. This country is unbelievable. I love it. You won't go anywhere. No, no, no I, I, I I don't have any plans to go anywhere. I don't fit in anywhere else. I don't want to fit in anywhere else. This is my home. It's where I I feel my happiest. But 
uh, and that's worth fighting for. But at the end of the day, I, I want that leader that's going to stand up and stand for something. You know, I mean, we, we, we saw President Ramaphosa when he first gave that, that whole Tumamina send me speech. And where, at the beginning of COVID where he said oh, to us, let's man. all stand together. Let's do this. We're going to go through a tough time. And I think everybody, even like, his worst enemies wow, are like, okay. let's give him a chance here. This, this is, is good. This we'll is back it. you. And, and where are we? Where are we? We need decisive leadership. We need this. But how, how irritating is it for you that being a news person, this has got nothing to do with the SABC. So again, I'm going to stand up for them because they're not here to defend themselves and I don't expect you to. Yeah. But being a news person, you have to try and be objective about things. Yeah. And you have to present as objective a version to the audience as is possible. Now, I don't have to do that because mm -hmm. I'm not a journalist mm -hmm. and I don't go on, new, on, on, on the show and do news. I mean, if I do news, it's usually mockery. Yeah. But for you, it's a very different kettle of fish. You have to go out there and you have to be the professional and your own feelings. Put them to the side. They have to be left in the and, and I makeup room. And I still believe in that. I do. I still believe in that. I know a lot of, a lot of journalists don't and a lot of interviewers don't and, they, and they'll rather sort of push their own agenda through. And they, they, they will, you know, insist it, even, even if, if you like the person or if you don't like the it's person. It's become the flavor of the moment too, which yeah. puts extra pressure on people in the media that you have to be a, a, a Piers Morgan or a, That's or a um, you know, one of these NB, MSNBC, Rachel Maddow. This you, you have to be one of those people. You have to be left or right or very yeah, strong. Tucker Carlson or Tucker whoever Carlson. you mean. Same but, thing. But you are towing the old school line of, there it, are journalists. But but you know what? At the end of the day, you will still – because you've got to have your facts straight. And if you know that somebody is lying, um, you, you will – you will call them out, but you've got to have the facts to call them out. And I've seen you do it before. And, and you don't want to – I'm not coming in there with the agenda to tell you that, you know, this is this is tea. And you're telling me it's coffee and I'm telling you it's tea. But I, I am convinced that this is tea. And by the end of the interview, I'm going to convince you, even though I'm interviewing you, that it, in fact it is tea and it's not coffee. That's not my job. My job is to put the facts on the table and the viewer or the listener is the one that can decide for themselves. And you can see it a mile away. You know. And that's why I, I do get upset when I hear interviewers that, that don't allow their guests to speak, that will speak over them, that, that belittle your guests. That, you know, there is a way of walking away from an interview with dignity but still having achieved the goal that you there to do. And, have, and that's how I feel about it. Have you ever had anyone in the studio that you got a really horrible vibe from? That you were just like, I, I do not like this person. Maybe they were a, I don't know, like a, 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 a murderer or something. You just got a like gross feeling. And oh, man. Well, yeah. Politicians yes. in general. Yeah, I did. I did lots of them. <laughs> there are lots of them. But no, I, but, but I, I, I mean, I recall I, once or twice I've sat opposite someone and I thought, this person is just... You're a there's, liar. There's no reason to talk to you because exactly. everything you say is untrue. Yeah. Everything that you say is, is pushing an agenda. I'm not going to, neither will my audience derive any meaningful information or entertainment from you. From what you're saying, you're not, you're not learning, you're not growing, you're not this, I don't know And why. then you look at the clock and you're like, I've still got 10 minutes with this Yeah, asshole. and we've got to still sit, listen to this. And you do. <laughs> and you sit and you're like, oh man, and you know, you know what's coming out of their mouths is just, but... You've got to do it. Have you ever but lost your temper? 
I have the once. Um, I didn't lose my temper, but oh man, there was a guy. I wish I could remember his name, but he was telling me, um, he was from Zimbabwe. I think he was. He was a guy that was coming here, and he he came into the studio. He was a Zimbabwean guy, and you know that the whole interview was about you know what's going on, the situation in Zimbabwe, and there are a lot of Zimbabweans that have come to South Africa mm. and um, talking about going back to your country to make it work. And he was you know, on this whole agenda. And then he turns to me and he goes, well, why don't you go back to Europe where your family's from? Mm. You know, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, hey, whoa, hang on a second here. Sorry. We've got very different stories and very different conversations. I am not from Europe. I am from South Africa. I was born here. My family were born here. My blood is South African. I said, you are from Zimbabwe. And if you feel so strongly about Zimbabwe and um, about the whole situation, why don't you go back and make it work? Why are you here in South Africa talking about something that you should actually be doing there? This guy was, I mean, that clip just went viral because he was giving me a lecture about how I must go back to Europe. Um, a guy but from- But you gave him- Oh, I gave it right back yeah, to him. Because he just hit that, he hit that nerve. Oh, and no, I can, uh, I can give it back, sure. but I'd rather not, you know? Well, you've, you've, been, you've been so professional. Occasionally we, we would love to see uh, you get like really pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. I mean, there was another another lady recently, shame. And, I mean, she came in and she was talking about a, a nursing union and they were very much so against the whole um, issue. Oh, they, they, they're for NHI oh, and yeah. how private hospitals must all disappear mm. because it's just a terrible thing. Um, and, and, and the more we speaking and speaking and speaking, nothing was making sense. But then it sort of came out. Then I, I just, as I was listening, I was like, hang on a second. I said, if I'm not mistaken, isn't your husband the CEO of maybe that hospital that was involved in the Babita Diakaram with the skinny jeans uh, and whatnot? Wow, and I you said, pulled that out of your said, memory. Sorry, are you not his? Is that not your husband that you're married to that is from the Tembisa Hospital with the skinny jeans and the thingy, thingy, thingy? And she goes, Yeah, but that's got nothing to do with us. I'm like, No, actually, it I does. think it's important that we talk about those things because. Was this that in really, your notes or would you no, pull that no, out No, no, I, just, I wow. just remembered it at the time. But I'm That's like, incredible. You know, these are the kind of things that, you know, in a nice way, but at the same time, you know, it, it's, it's important to know these things because there is a story everywhere you look. Oh, everywhere you look. Yeah. Listen, I, I don't want to keep you. You've been up since God knows what time this morning. Same time it's as so you. Nice to, <laughs> it's so nice to see you. Uh, we Thank love you, you on TV. Keep doing it for another 20 years. Thank you. Because you are just getting better and better. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll do it for as long as I can. Leanne Manis, everybody. What a what a, an icon. Glamour icon. <laughs> exactly. That's what you are. You're both those things. Thank you, Gareth. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Cliffcentral.com.